Welcome to the audiobook speakeasy. I'm Rich Miller, and I'm your host here at the speakeasy. This is where you'll meet narrators, coaches, engineers, and other audiobook professionals, as well as some listeners who'll be sharing what they look for in a good audiobook. If you're interested in audiobook production, you've come to the right place. So come on in, grab a drink, pull up a chair, and join us for a friendly chat about audiobooks. Joining me tonight in the Speakeasy is an accomplished audiobook narrator who is also a co-host, along with PJ Oakland, of a series of webcasts that the Audiobook Publishers Association has been putting on recently. Suzanne Elise Freeman, thanks for joining me in the Speakeasy tonight. <laughs> uh, thank you for having me. That was that was a lovely introduction. <laughs> well, I really appreciate those webcasts, and so uh, we can we can definitely get into that later. Uh, what are you doing okay. tonight? I am having, sadly, probably the exact same thing PJ was, um, a Manhattan. Well, it's only the exact same thing that PJ was if it is a triple bitters Manhattan. It is, because I'm the one who gave him the third bitters that he uses. Oh, no kidding. And was that the mm -hmm. orange? Mm -mm. Although I did request orange the first time I went over there. So I'm actually not positive if he had it the first time I had a Manhattan at his place or... I don't remember now, or if I actually brought him that too. I may have brought him that too, but I cannot tell you for sure. I added the uh, a uh, cherry bitters. It's a Woodford Reserve makes a spiced cherry bitters. So no I brought kidding. that to him. Mm -hmm. Well, I like uh, I like Woodford Reserve bourbon. So um, yes, I'm I'm sure that they do a good job with uh, accoutrements for drinks as well. Yeah, they, and actually, I'm having a bullet rye, which is what I started drinking Manhattans with over at his place too. It's basically I was I'm I was kind of sad for myself when I was making I'm like god I'm gonna make the exact same thing as PJ <laughs> Pathetic. Well, that's fine. I, I have to say it's now a winner on the audiobook speakeasy because I had one of those for my last interview so uh Probably. I, I appreciate the uh the input that you had on coming up with the recipe <laughs> yes it, well. it, as I recall though when I when um PJ was describing it it wasn't he didn't have the cherry bitters it was orange yeah, it's cherry, orange, and um, he uses Peychaud. So it's actually not the exact same thing. I have Angostura, but he uses Peychaud's orange and cherry. If okay. he's using triple bitters. So so I must have gotten that wrong because I don't have any cherry bitters. I was just using the uh, Angostura. So anyway, I'm actually having something similar, although not quite the same. I'm having a Rob Roy, which is basically the Scottish version of a Manhattan. Right. Uh, not triple bitters, uh, just using the Angostura, but uh, but similar nonetheless. So in yes. any case, thank you very much for coming in. I really appreciate your time. And cheers. <laughs> Absolutely. Cheers. Oh, I didn't, get much, didn't get much of a ring there. That's a little better. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not doing successfully. <laughs> well, it took me quite a while to figure out how to get this thing to ring correctly. <laughs> clearly, it still doesn't work sometimes. <laughs> Got so, it. Uh, so, Suzanne, where are you from? I'm from Minnesota. Minnesota. I live in I live in LA, but I'm from Minnesota. Yeah, and did you grow up in Minnesota, or were you just mm -hmm. born there and then you transplanted early? Nope, I am a I am almost well. I think of myself as a like lifelong Minnesotan, but no, I spent I spent the majority of my life there. Yeah. Um, so you went to school back in Minnesota then? I actually started out in Boston at Tufts University, and then I transferred to the University of Minnesota so I could um, go to journalism school journalism school really mm -hmm. yep. so what were you planning on doing with that i was planning on being a sports reporter for television no kidding and, yeah and did you actually go in that direction after you got out of school yep. i mean for yeah i've i've done a, i've done an, i've had like 10 careers so 
I did do that for a while. Um, yeah, I have a degree in broadcast journalism. I was a sports reporter at my on campus, and then I started reporting for a now defunct. Um, I don't even know. Yeah, it was a satellite broadcasting something or another that was called Conus Communications, and they had a like a national news broadcast that they broadcast on their stations. Honestly, this was so long ago, I don't even know what I'm saying. But I was <laughs> I was I was I was a reporter and producer um, for them for a while. And yeah, in fact, when I moved out here to LA, that was initially what I was thinking about going back into. Which is again, everything I'm going to say tonight is going to be. It's a long story, so it's that's, all a long story. That's great. I love the long stories. So, uh, <laughs> so you were you were planning on going back into it. So, take me through what what happened after you were doing sports reporting right out of right out of school after getting a journalism degree. Um. Well, I mean, you know, it wasn't like A B C D. I mean, I you know had I was cocktailing while I was in school, and then I got my first job in in news. Um, and then uh, I decided to get out of it for a variety of reasons. I, I, I questioned that decision a lot, but I, I ended up starting to work for a, a public relations company in Minnesota as a like writer for a PR company. Mm-hmm. And that turns out me plus office does not blend well. I don't do well. Like I cannot get anywhere on time. I can't wake up as a normal human being. I I'm horrible trying to do the same thing every day in the same place. Uh, So um, I left there and I started flying as a flight attendant while I was moving out here. And then, um, so I did that for a long time, not a long time, but I did that for a while. I traveled around the world to everywhere I wanted to go. And uh, then I moved out here. Let's see. I, after a couple years here, I, um, reality television was just starting to like, you know, become a huge deal because uh, with uh, the dark uh, television when yeah reality TV came in. Survivor had just started. Amazing Race had just started, and uh, two guys, one guy from Minnesota who went to Harvard Law, and then his other friend from somewhere, um, won the first season of Amazing Race, and then my oldest and best friend, who grew up with me in the same hometown of Minnesota, who lives here in Santa Monica. And went to Harvard Law. We ended up getting in the finals of The Amazing Race, to be on it. Oh, but wow. then she broke her wrist. We didn't get on. You know, this is, again, I, I'm giving you way too much detail. You don't need all of this. No, but no, I ended no, that's up. Fine. That's, <laughs> I find that really interesting because I am one of the people who I've never liked anything that was on reality TV. I think I watched one episode of Survivor for the whole time it was on. For all I know, it's still on. But but It is know. still on. I, I watched um, one episode of Big Brother. And I've got friends who are huge Big Brother fans. In fact, mm-hmm. I know somebody who was on Big Brother. And, and so many people love this stuff. And my sister was really into The Amazing Race and might still be if it's still on. Again, I don't even know. Pretty um, sure it still is. But I, I have never liked any of the reality TV that I've seen. Well, so, let me so ask you something. Popular. Do you do you like things like like Top Chef that has not not the really horrible catty like drama as, aspect to it, but is just you know about talent? I like that more, but I still don't watch it. I mean, I don't have cable, and and there are so oh. many shows that most people uh, that I know talk about, and I I don't even know what they're talking about. 
So, well, then so it's just one were... of those things. I was never into the reality TV, but I know a lot of people were. So it's fascinating to me to talk to somebody. And like when I met the guy who was on Big Brother and was kind of a big deal for a while, um, it's it's great. I, I find it fascinating. Well, then again, long story, but <laughs> I ended up being on The Bachelor. So oh. yes, a very long story. I didn't want to do the show. I did it basically in in protest of the entire concept because I was like going to be the rebel and like, you know, turn the guy down, uh, which they still don't know. They actually don't know that. So hopefully nobody <laughs> listens to this. Um, uh, but no, it, that, it's just you. It's just you and me here. Nobody's listening. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully nobody from the bachelor does they don't give a shit it, it was so fucking long ago yeah. um anyway so that was like season two so that was in 2002 but back but that really made me miss television production again so that made me really miss it and want to go back um to being a reporter and not just behind the camera but on on camera as well and then i ended up getting a sports reporting agent out here and then I got my first show, which was um, a poker show that I was a co-host of on Game Show Network. Um, that led to a poker show on Fox Sportsnet, uh, which led to my first acting gig, <laughs> which is that's, a long that, story. No, that's great, though. So that's a that's a very interesting way to get into the acting portion because you were really into television production in a different capacity. Sort of. I mean, really, my my father was an actor when I grew up, and I he was. I mean, as far as I was concerned, he was the best actor on earth because everybody told me so. Because mm -hmm. I mean, I grew up in a small town, but I just thought he was so spectacular that I really wanted to be an actor. But I was so terrified to try to follow follow in my father's footsteps that sports reporting, in a way, or at least television reporting, broadcast journalism, was kind of my way of bridging the gap between something that I could you know, I wouldn't have to risk quite as much of myself on. Sure. So I really wanted to act from the beginning, but, um, and actually the, and my first acting gig was, I mean, it was so hysterical because I went to a poker game of all things. That's great. Uh, Some, something you clearly knew something about by that point. No, I, I knew nothing and I still know nothing. I have no <laughs> idea what I was talking about. The only reason they hired me is because I, I was a good interviewer. So, uh, so then this dude at the at the poker game introduced me to the people as an actors. And these were all like people in the industry. And one of them was a casting director. She brought me in for a CBS sitcom and I got it. It was one episode. Don't get me wrong. But I mean, I had no business saying I, I was so pissed at him. I was like, dude, somebody might actually want me to prove that. <laughs> and then then that was just like the coolest thing ever. And I had the best time. And I'm like, all right, I'm just going to have to submit. I actually want to start acting now. That's great. And, what was the, what was yeah. the show? It was a show called Courting Alex. It was with Jenna Elfman. It only lasted half a season, but fortunately, my episode aired. <laughs> well, that's cool. So your episode aired. Um, so what did you do after that in terms of of acting? So I, I assume that from that point on, you were bit by the bug and you kind of kept going in that direction. I did keep going in that that direction. I got a I got a you know commercial and and theatrical agent. I mean, I haven't done a ton of stuff. I I did an episode of um, Californication which was fun, which mm -hmm. was actually the best time ever. And, <laughs> um, and then, you know, I did, I did a bunch of scene study and theater classes and I've done a few plays here. Um, Oscar Wilde and Shakespeare. I have no business doing Shakespeare, but I did it anyway, cause it was a blast. Um, and we, we were, we did Titus Andronicus as vampires. Nice. I, know, I, right? I, I say that every actor has business doing Shakespeare. <laughs> no what kind. I mean, Boy, just jump into that. Good stuff. 
yeah, yeah. So, and, you know, just sort of assorted, uh, you know, commercial and theatrical jobs here and there. Cool. Yeah. So, I mean, I so- still technically have, you know, that agent. I haven't gone out on a uh, on-camera audition for a little while. So then after you started acting, I assume that at some point in there, voiceover came in. Well, voiceover actually started way before a lot of this stuff, because as a television reporter, you're doing voiceover quite a bit. Um, Uh, So I was in... Were you doing like promos for your own shows? No, not as much. I was actually... um, Okay, in all of those years of acting and all of the other stuff, I started producing short uh, video content for, you know, commercial use, like not commercial, commercial, but for specifically for a land developer for use on his website and for promotion. So I, we traveled around the country, uh, I and my two crew people, um, and shot, you know, lovely images of this completely barren land that he was selling to people and, uh, talked about how lovely it was. And so, like I was doing a lot of voiceover for, for that because it was, you know, kind of commercially, but also kind of entertainment-y, but also kind of television newsy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then through that and a few other ways, people knew that I did voiceover. So then they would be like, oh, that's right. Suzanne, you do this stuff, right? Do you want to like, do, do you want to submit something for like HGTV to use in a commercial or something? So, I mean, it was just kind of scattered. It was usually just when people remembered that I did voiceover, that they were like, oh, we can use you for this. I mean, I got paid for it, but it wasn't, I, 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 I didn't really pursue it heavily when I got out here. Sure. But word of mouth is great. I mean, you know, if people know that you do that and then they invite you to participate in whatever their project is, that's, that's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I haven't, I haven't done a ton of regular straight up voiceover, but you know, here and there, I mean, it's, you know, having, being in television broadcasting and being a reporter gives you quite a bit of experience for that sort of thing. As you, yeah, and no obviously doubt. you learn not to be, have the reportery broadcasty voice eventually, but, uh, just having, having the skill and, you know, working on your diction and, and mic technique and stuff like that. That's very helpful. Yeah, I have heard that it is it can be really difficult for somebody who is in broadcasting to go into voiceover because broadcasting is kind of, you know, out there in the face of whoever's listening and everybody wants the conversational read and the guy next door, the girl next door for um, for commercial work. So I have heard that it can be really difficult to go from broadcast and that there are actually workshops out there specifically for people to make that transition. Yeah, I believe that. I just, I think like one of the things that I excelled in with my reporting as, you know, a reporter and interviewer, and I transitioned pretty quickly into being a television host from reporting was being friendly and and personable. So it might've been more of a struggle than I, than I remember right now, but I, I remember it not being that hard for me. That's good. So I assume that that was, um, was that just your decision or was that kind of direction that you were given? You know, we want no. this show to be more comfortable for people or or whatnot. No, it was just, it was just where I was comfortable. I mean, I, you know, it took me quite a long time to get to be comfortable, not only on camera, but just, you know, comfortable with myself enough to really just be able to, well, I keep saying being comfortable, but be comfortable sure. with how I sounded and what I did. And if you, if you're not following a script and if you're not following a tr- prompter the whole time, you have to you know, 
be on your own and you have to just think of things as you go. And I, and I, and, and as I continued on through my career, my strength was just having fun with people on camera and, you know, making fun of people and having, having a good time and, and interviewing them in a fun and friendly way. So it's just kind of developed that way. Yeah. And I'm sure that the fact that it developed that way made it easier to go into voiceover. Um, since like I say, everybody wants a conversational read. And, um, so I'm, I'm sure that that made it easier. So yeah, were... that was a lot of it was my, my hosting though. A lot of it was hosting and, and television hosting and, and, uh, and commercial auditioning and stuff like that. Go on. Yeah. What were you going to say? No, I'm, I'm, I'm just curious then. So you had been doing the on-camera stuff. You were involved in television production. You got an agent. You had been doing a little bit of voiceover along the way. And at some point you did an <laughs> Exactly. So how, so how did that happen? Um, I am a huge podcast fan, like giant, big ass podcast fan. And, um, I was running out of content at some point. And as, if you listen to podcasts, which I'm sure you do, I do. then you know <laughs> that every podcast for the longest time and most still do have Audible commercials. They're sponsored by Audible and you get a discount, you know, you get your first book for free if you use, you know, audible.com slash mogulcast, which I, is I just one heard of my... one today on the Skeptic's yeah. Guide to the Universe. They had an Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So if you know that whole thing about advertising, you need like I don't know how many times somebody has to see a, or hear a reference for them to actually finally buy something. I was like, oh my God, that's right. Audible, like audiobooks are are a thing. And I haven't, I hadn't listened to an audiobook for a really long time. Um, and I bought my first audiobook for a long time and it was amazing. And fortunately I chose, you know, I chose well the first couple of books that I chose. And then I, um, and then I, so I, I listened to several books and I was just really, really into it. It's interspersing them with my podcast. And then I listened to a really bad book, really bad. And I, I just was cringing the entire way through. And I kept saying out loud to myself, I can do better than this. And, you know, <laughs> after 10 times saying it, I'm like, wait a minute. And then I, you know, started researching the crap out of it and saw probably, you know, Sean Pratt's advice that it said, you know, go into a closet, pull out a book, sit down for four hours and just read. I don't think I did that, but I did read out loud. I, I wanted to see if, if what I, what I thought I would sound like actually came out the way I wanted it to mm -hmm. and whether or not, you know, any character voices came out the way, cause you know, in my head, I'm like, Oh, I can do this. But I, you know, I don't remember which book I pulled down, but I started reading and I started doing characters and I'm like, actually, I think I could do this. Now, if I had known then what I know now, I probably wouldn't have done it. Really? But in terms of the uh, like financial outlay, because at the time I was oh, I was I was struggling a bit, so um, I you know got a USB microphone I set up in my walk-in closet that had horrible sound. Um, I got Twisted Wave and I did a you know roll record. <laughs> like I, if I had known like you know I have a huge my entire living room is taken up by my my vocal booth right now and how much money that costs and how much travel and, and, you know, networking stuff. Fortunately, I, I, it's worked really, really well, but had I known at the beginning how many thousands of dollars it would take to kind of get me to where I am now, it would have been terrifying. 
I hear you. And I'm sure that there are a lot of people who are going to listen to this who can relate to that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It um, is. It's terrifying. Yeah. And and I, I like the fact that there are a lot of people, myself included, where when somebody comes into one of the, the narrator groups and says, well, I'm going to do this and kind of do what you said, you know, get a USB mic and, you know, I've got my closet set up. Um, they ask some fairly basic questions. And uh, I I always try to not really parrot, but um, pass on the information that I've learned from others, which is you're starting a business. Um, you need to treat it as a business and you need to understand that when you're going into a business, there's going to be some capital outlay. Yeah. You don't open a pizza shop with 20 bucks in your pocket uh, and, you know, buying a single pizza stone and figuring, okay, that's <laughs> enough, right? You're starting a business and it's really important that, that people understand that. Um, it so, is. So you've got one of those situations where you didn't know that at the time. You look back at it now and think you probably wouldn't have done it, but you did do it and it worked out well. Right. And and I, I knew nothing. I mean, I didn't know a single narrator. I It took me months to figure, I mean, even find the first Facebook group that I got on, which is what changed everything. So as mad as I am at Facebook, and I am, and I'm not expressing any loyalty to them, but I wouldn't have my career without Facebook. And still, that's how we keep, keep in touch. So it's like, it's it's painful to me right now because I'm like, I want to be a delete Facebooker, but I can't. Like we, <laughs> we do too much stuff in this industry on Facebook. I would not have a career without Facebook. Yeah, I, I totally hear that. I'm, I feel the same way. I, I don't think that I would be a delete Facebook, but I spend far too much time on it. And yet a lot of that time is spent specifically in, in the uh, narrator groups. Yeah. I, I mean, the, yeah, the only reason I even go on half the time, I'm just like, oh, I have to do this for work. Because mm -hmm. um, yeah, I just, I, most of the time is just depressing. You see everybody else being like super successful and happy. And I know that's what people do on Facebook because that's what people do. But sometimes right. it's just like, I can't handle this right now. I just yeah. want to like read my books and watch my stupid Netflix and, and record <laughs> and not have to deal with any of this crap. Right. But anyway. No, totally understand. Um, so when was that, that you got a, got an audio book and you picked well and you really liked it? And, uh, and, and actually before, before that, you yeah. remember what it was that you first listened to? Yes, it was. <laughs> okay. Picking well, don't think like I picked an, I actually don't know if it was an audio one or I, I doubt it, but it was, it was actually a Veronica Mars book that Kristen oh. Bell narrated. And I love Veronica Mars and I love Kristen Bell. She is, you know, got a super fun personality and it was, it was just a really fun, good book. And it was characters that I was already familiar with. And I was really impressed with the way she portrayed them, um, you know, cause I knew who she was trying to portray as, as the actors on the television show, but she was doing it herself. So it was just like, wow, she's really, in it. she's really killing it. Yeah. Um, but still I, I never would have considered I could do it. And then I, and then I started listening to, um, some Brandon Sanderson, which were like 45 hour books wow. with Michael Kramer and Kate Redding. And, uh, I think it's Kate Redding. I never, I always ask this, but I don't know if it's Kate Redding or Kate Redding. Anyway, um, they're, you know, husband wife duo who do a lot of books together and there, it was just, it was so great. And then, uh, don't really remember how many it took, but then I got to the really bad one. And and we don't have to go into details on that one, but yeah. um, but you did hear one, and you thought I could do better than that. So when? Yep. How long ago was this? That was in 2014. So not that long ago. Mm -mm. For three and a half, four years. Yeah, yeah, and I didn't really start. I I did just a couple books, you know, ACX books, 
that year. Again, no idea what I was doing. I had I found Facebook before then, I I wouldn't have done it. But again, they were horrible. And I was horrible, but I edited everything myself. And Mm -hmm. I kind of thought that's what people did, which is hysterical. I saw somebody post like yesterday going, "Uh, does anybody use, you know, somebody who edits and masters? And I'm just like, oh my God, I cannot handle these people. But I didn't know back then. And so I did it all myself. And so I was able to listen to myself and hear how bad I was. And, you know, not bad, but like hear mistakes I was making and how way too fast I was going. Mm -hmm. And um, so again... I wouldn't have chosen those books because they had absolutely no potential for sales or making me any money. But had I not, you know, it's all, it's all learning process. So yeah, it, it, it all got to you to where you are now. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So that's good. So it wasn't too long ago. So I, I looked you up on audible and mm-hmm. I didn't see a huge number of titles, but I thought, right. I think there's something missing here. So <laughs> have you ever gone by a pseudonym? Yes, I, I have. Yes, I do. I, I, my pseudonym for romance and erotica is Samantha Cook. Oh, okay. So, well, I didn't out you. Didn't out you. I know. I'm outing myself. <laughs> I'm outing myself. Uh, and and that was you said that was specifically for romance and erotica, yes. and that was yes. that was a specific calculated decision to do a yes. pseudonym. Yes, I well, because yeah, my I mean. I my goal in narrating is to narrate the kind of books I want to read as a fan and listen to as a fan. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to become known strictly as a romance narrator and while I appreciate romance and I you know love the work I get from it I I didn't want somebody to to look at me up on Audible and then see 60 romance na- you know titles by my name and then they're like oh she's a romance narrator. So I just, I wanted to have the ability to, to move around. And so now Samantha is way more popular than I am. And she, <laughs> she gets a lot more work than I do. Though I, Suzanne, am getting quite a bit more work now. Um, but yeah, Sam, uh, Sam, is, uh, Sam is popular. And I get requests for her now specifically. I've gotten contacted um, through my Samantha website for books when people don't know it's me. And like, I know people, like it, somebody from, from Podium contacted me through my my Samantha site, mm-hmm. and I was like, uh, just you know, this is Suzanne because <laughs> they, they sent me the email. They were like, uh, so this is a Podium. We did the Martian, and I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> like, <laughs> like everybody at Podium knows I am the freakiest Martian fan on earth, including Bob Bray. So yes, I'm aware. So anyway, anyway, wow. so yeah, that's uh, so yeah, that's, Freak, that's Samantha. freakiest Martian fan. Wow. Yes, I am. I am. I am a scat. When I get to be a fan of something, I'm. I'm a little bit. I'm a little bit crazy about it. <laughs> not like. Not like website. You know, fan page crazy, but just like I'm really passionate. I will sell anybody on something that I really love because I get. I don't love things all that often. So when I do, I'm very passionate about it. I think that's great. Get excited about something. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. So so that's good. Um, well, let's see. So you. So in addition to. Uh, Suzanne Freeman, Suzanne Elise Freeman. You also yes. have the cook, and so that yeah. is actually quite a few titles, and and I would say quite a few titles for somebody who just started uh, about four years ago. Um, understanding that you did have you know some contacts in the industry, but in in various related industries. Um, no, I but, had no contacts whatsoever. Well, I, I just no mean, idea what I was doing. I just mean in production, you had done some right. voiceover work. And so, right. so you had some knowledge and I realized that it, it doesn't all translate. In fact, some of it <laughs> translates really badly to audio. Yeah. 
even though yeah. people think it translates well. But yeah. but you had some understanding of kind of, you know, the entertainment industry as a whole, I guess. Yeah, um, I suppose. And so to me, it seems like quite a few books in a relatively short period of time. And you've yeah. also done quite a few for some major publishers. Yeah. So how, I, did, how, yeah. how did that happen? How did um, How did you break into the big league there? Um, okay, but at some point I'm going to tell you why I picked Samantha Cook as my pseudonym, but okay. um, <laughs> because it's a great story, especially right now because Ready Player One just opened last week. Tell me now. Samantha Cook is my favorite character from Ready Player One. Oh. And I wanted to pick something I, you know, loved and had a purpose behind. I mean, it's not a sexy name. It's not like, <clears throat> you know, some of the names that have like wild and and other sexy things in them. It's Samantha Cook, but that's Artemis's real name. And in the book, it's only used uh, twice. It's I thought it was used once and then I've reread the book multiple times. So I, the last time I read it, I was like, ah, oh, damn, it's in twice. I've been telling people it was only once. So nobody really knows her by her name in the book. So it was, to me, it was like very undercover, you know, because I'm a huge geek and sci-fi fan. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, I just, uh, the movie just opened last week. So it's, I'm hoping that my pseudonym becomes famous through, through that alone. And people will be like, wait a minute, did, did you know that you have, yes, I do know that as a matter of fact. I, I've got to look into that. I, I knew nothing about ready player one and I still know basically nothing about it. Um, but then when the movie, when it was being announced that the movie was coming out, I'm like, Oh, I don't know what this is. Well, let's go do something else. And now it's everywhere. Everybody's talking about the book. Everybody's talking about the movie. And yeah. I'm like, I still really don't know anything about it. So I'll have to either. Read don't go to the movie. 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 I swear to God, in this case, you will be so happy if you read and or listen to the book. I read it a couple of times before I listened to the first time. I have now listened to it several times, read it several times. You, you, will, be, I, you will thank me for a very long time if you read it before you see the movie. I swear, I swear, I swear. Okay, so not read it instead of seeing the movie. Read it and then see the movie. No. Not even that, but <laughs> but you can you can do that. But but if you do one, for sure read the book. Read if the book. if you do one first, for sure do the book first. I know everybody says book is better, but th in this case, it's just wildly wildly different and better. Well, I I will take that uh, into consideration when I'm deciding what to do on with ready. <laughs> Thank you. One. I, it, it it is true. I think for the most part, people feel that way. And I was just talking to somebody else about uh, one of my favorite horror books. In fact, probably still my favorite horror book is Stephen King's The Shining. Uh -huh. And I saw the movie way back when it came out, and I loved the book so much, and I was so disappointed in the movie. That's I, saw, I, I saw, heard that. Go ahead. I, I saw it again recently. Um, a local theater here did a, a midnight showing, and um, and I, I went to go see it just to see because I thought it would be fun. And I thought to myself, oh, you know what? This actually is a good movie. It's really different from the book. Uh, it's, oh. got, it's just got a different vibe in many different ways, but it's similar in other ways. Um, yeah. But it really is a good movie on its own. It's just that if you are, you know, a total fan of the book, it was, right. I found it disappointing. And I think that's very typical. I will say there is one movie where I read the book first and I thought the movie was better. Which one? And that was Jaws. Oh, I, I actually, I did I actually not read thought the book. that was a brilliant movie. And the book just kind of went off on these tangents that I thought really weren't important. So, <laughs> uh, but it's pretty rare. I think that in most cases people say, yeah, the book's always better. So I will, I will take that into, uh, into consideration when I decide okay. what to do with Ready Player One. Sorry, so, I got, uh, a, got us off no, on that's a fine, that's fine. So, so that's Samantha Cook. Um, so how yeah. did, how did you and Samantha Cook, um, get to be players in, uh, in the big league with the big boys? 
Um, you know, I can trace it directly to finding my first um, Facebook group. Um, again, I'm not plugging Facebook, but uh, it was, I really just hung back and um, this is a story. Don't worry. It's not through Facebook that I got got gigs, but uh, I hung back and, you know, read, read, read. And then I made my first post in the ACX group and I asked, Hey, if I've only done four books, should I go to APAC this year? And at the time I thought Jeffrey Kafer and Johnny Heller were like the gods of audiobooks. So when both of them chimed in and said, yes, you should go, I was like, okay, well, that's all I needed to hear. And then, um, and then through those guys, I found out that the, we were having a mixer. They, you know, somebody was having a mixer right around the corner from where I am. It's not an APA mixer, but they do. There's a group, uh, a couple of people here in LA that, that do mixers a f- few times a year. Mm-hmm. And they were having a mixer, like not very much, very, much, very long after that. And I went and it turns out just, it was coincidentally a time when, when there was another huge audio book event coming, like happening in LA. So everybody in the industry that, you know, was even close to LA was at this mixer. I didn't know it at the time. Um, and I'm, you know, I met everyone I now know in audiobooks. And then after that, I, you know, went to APAC and Jeff Kafer and a bunch of people showed me around and introduced me to people. And I started getting work pretty quickly after that. That's great. Um, and, and I know that the mixers are good things. I'd really wanted to go to the one in LA at the end of last year, but, uh, couldn't make that it. was, yeah, that was a big one. Yeah. I couldn't, couldn't make it out there. Um, so which APAC was that? Uh, that was 2015. All right. So you've been, and you've gone every year since then. Yeah. So this will be my fourth one fourth this one, year. Yeah. yeah. All right, that's quite a few. It's only going to be my second, but, um, I've, I loved it last year. I had such a good time. Yeah. Yeah. Lot, it was, it's terrifying. Um, it is right at first, but, um, met a lot of great people and everybody, I, I love this industry. Uh, yeah. everybody that I met, um, you know, but both narrators and publishers, producers, whoever, everybody was yep. great. Everybody's yep. been great about, um, talking to me on the show. And, uh, so it's, it's a great industry. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And we're really lucky in LA. We have, we have a fantastic, very tight community in LA and, you know, all my best friends now are, are narrators. So. That's great. Uh, I I really do hope to make it out there at some point for uh, maybe this year. I, I assume there'll be another mixer out there, APA sponsored mixer like there was last year. Yeah, but we 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 can talk offline about whether or not you should go to a couple of those. <laughs> All right, that's fine. <laughs> um, so so that's how you met people pretty quickly, and that's great. So yeah. it sounds like a lot of what I've heard, which is it's all about networking. And, yep. um, and I'm sure that your ability to speak extemporaneously and just, you know, be friendly was a big plus in that. Yeah. I mean, it was, I, um, you know, I'm trying to think back at it now. I mean, I'm, I think a lot of us are extroverted introverts mm-hmm. and I, while being perfectly comfortable at a party and being perfectly, you know, I look like I am super confident, which is what people tell me. That's the only reason I know that. And it, and, but you know, inside I'm just like, I want to go in a corner so badly and like hide from the world. And I don't want to have to do this and I don't want to have to meet people I don't know. And I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm pretty terrified of that. So it wasn't the, the, it's not the most fun experience sometimes, but you have to just, you have to just get ready and, you know, put your brave face on. And I totally get that. And I yeah. couldn't be in more agreement. Um, well, I was, they, I, was I, doing... I love the extroverted introvert thing. I, yeah. I absolutely yeah. feel that way much yeah. of the time. 
And, and so uh, for anybody listening who is also terrified, I've, I've actually seen some people post about that, about they're really scared about going to APAC. Totally understand. Yeah. Everybody is, well, I won't say everybody, 90% of the people that go into situations like that for the first time have similar fears. And it's, it's, I would say it's not even so much a matter of conquering those fears. It's just a matter of understanding the environment that you're in and kind of pushing through it. Yeah. And, I mean, you just, you just pretend, I mean, that's it, what we do for a living. <laughs> right. And, and it can, it can lead to really great results. And I'm not talking about just, um, just the business, just yeah. work. I met some people at the, uh, at the pre APAC mixer last year that I just had a blast talking to them. Yeah. It was, it was fantastic. And the, you know, the one person that I'm thinking of specifically isn't going to get me any work. It was, yeah. it was just a great conversation and a great time. Yeah. And, and so, you know, you take that and, and I met some great people who, who have helped me get work as well. Um, it was so totally understand that it can be kind of a terrifying experience, but, um, really just kind of push through it. And, um, and who knows, you might actually get some work and even more important, you might have some fun and meet some nice people. Yep. I completely agree. And you just never know where the work is going to come from. You never know where your friends, I mean, you know, I, because I'm terrible at networking and I'm terrible at like, you know, trying to sell myself, the best things that I can, best thing that I can do is just like, for instance, I've told this story a few times to people, but um, Paul Gagne, who does casting and producing at, at, at Scholastic, um, I flew to New York for an APA mixer because I could. And I started talking to Paul Gagne. Well, I, at the that mixer, I think all of our name tags were hand, handwritten. And so Paul Gagne just had Paul Gagne written on his thing. And we just started talking and we talked forever about like, just crazy things and, and really talked about like finales for series. We were talking about, uh, Down Abbey and I can't even remember what other shows, but we, we just started getting, Oh, I think we, oh, it doesn't matter, but we were talking about just dumb stuff that we had in common that we just loved talking about. I thought he was a narrator that whole time. I had no idea who I was talking to. Oh, got it. And so, um, then he asked me, uh, then I started talking about a book that turns out that they did, it's a huge series and they did it. Like it was Scholastic that produced the books, but I had no idea. And he said, let me ask you, what do you think about the audiobook? And I'm like, wait a minute. You didn't have anything to do with it. Do you, did you? And, he, and he's just like, just, just tell me. And I'm like, well, I just, <laughs> I, I think it was horribly cast, cast. And he said, me too. And then we started talking about it and I'm like, wait a minute, like, do you actually, did you, and he's like, yeah, I work for Scholastic. And I'm like, oh God, I had no idea. How funny. So, so, you know, the best things for me that have happened within audiobooks are just the friendships I've made and whatever that leads to, you know, bonus. I, I think that's a great story because I, I feel the same way. Um, you know, the people that I met and who I now interact with, uh, it's, it's really not so much about the work and, um, given the the work that I've had lately, it's that's clear. But um, <laughs> but it but it's really about you know meeting people, making friends, and and I have no doubt that because of all that, everything will go fine moving forward. Even if it's going slow right now, I'm I'm perfectly comfortable with that. Great people, yeah. again, great yeah. people in this industry, and so uh, so I think that's a great story. And and everybody too is so generous, like. Um, with their time and with their attention and very few people are, you know, resentful of each other. 
And so people will introduce you to other people and you say, oh, I haven't met this person yet. And they were like, oh, you know, just come over here and I'll introduce you. Yeah. Um, and that's led to a million things for me. I mean, just some random person hearing me say, oh, I haven't met that person yet. And they're like, oh, come over here. And yeah. then, you know, I'll start getting work from that person. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it is a really, fin- I mean, I'm so freaking lucky. All of us are to have found this industry. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I don't want, I, yeah, I'm, I'm a little jealous of the people. Like, I don't want anybody else to start. Like, I'm fine with everybody else. Everybody who's here now. <laughs> now that I've gotten my foot in the door, I'm closing the damn door. <laughs> no, I just like, I, you know, I like our community the way it is. <laughs> yeah. No, I hear you. So do you do most of your recording at home or do you work in studios? I mean, in LA, there's a million recording studios. Um, yeah. Or, or how, um, do, how do you do most of your work? I do the majority of it at home. I'm actually going into PRH next week. And then the week after that, I'm at Dion Forrest Scholastic Book. Uh, but yeah, the majority of what I do is home. And what's the home situation like? How how is it? How does it work with working at home in terms of other people in the house, animals, traffic, whatever you have to deal with in terms of recording at home? I live in a building by myself, an apartment building. So um, many multi-unit. I live on the freeway. I literally can almost touch the 10 from my freeway. I mean, from my window. Um, so that was a major concern when I was getting, when I was getting my booth. Well, I could see why that would be. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, unless there's a really loud motorcycle or something going by, it tends, it tends not to be a problem. Um, and you know, the people in my building can be a problem. Like I was just finishing a chapter today and somebody was banging around somewhere and I'm like, Oh my God. And you never know <laughs> when they're going to start or stop. I got one See, damn page left. Leave me alone. Well, and it's always, for me, it always seems to be the ones where you have that sentence. That's the worst tongue twister ever. And you mm-hmm. finally get through the sentence and that's where somebody makes sense. <laughs> yep. Been there. But, uh, yeah, so it's generally, uh, you know, fortunately I've had pretty good luck in people being, it's a relatively quiet building. Um, but yeah. You mostly record during the day or at night? Only during the day. I get too dehydrated at night. And Hmm. plus I want to, I want a cocktail. Hmm. Honestly, I don't want to record at night if I don't have to. (laughs) I don't blame you. Yeah, no, I record, I, I go to the gym every morning and then I come home and watch MSNBC for far too long and then I get in the booth. <laughs> well, it sounds like you've got a good, uh, good routine there. So why screw it up? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I do. I really dig going, dig going into studio though. I love having a director. I love having somebody else to, you know, bounce things off of. It's just, it's, I, I kind of wish I could do it more often, but I'm obviously happy to, to get work that I can do at home at the same time. Sure. Yeah. So you are also the co-host of the uh, various different webcast series that Audible, or I'm sorry, that uh, the Audiobook Publishers Association has been putting on. I think mm-hmm. all of which I have seen at this point. I don't think I've missed oh, any. Oh, good. Um, good. So how did that come about? Um, so not last year, but the year before, um, Tavia Gilbert was running the webinar series. Um that was previously called <laughs> the webinar series. And, and she was calling a bunch on, you know, the various Facebook groups. Hey, if anybody has any ideas that they want to, you know, that they, they want to do a webinar on or want us to do a webinar on, write me. And so it took, it took a little while. Cause I'm like, Oh, I'm such a noob. They're not going to listen to me. 
And then finally, I just got up the courage and wrote her an email. And she's like, all right, just let me know when you do it, when you want to do it. And then which guests you want. And I'm like, wait a minute. So I can actually host. And she's like, yeah. So I put it together. Wow. So you, so you had an idea for a topic that somebody else could do. And instead she said, okay, sold, you're doing it. Yep. Yep. That's great. (laughs) So I, I, and I, I did it in a way that's, that's similar to what I'm doing now for the webcasts, but, but I had PJ was, was one of the panelists and then Aaron Bennett and Katie Rudd, they were, but we did a, a, a webinar on, on script prep. So then, and it went really well and it, we, we had a great time. Like we actually, we actually, um, cause I was trying, I, you know, every, every month I try to get people to tune in live. And so my thing then was, was, you know, people are going to, I'm going to give them a surprise when they get there. And their surprise was that we were going to play a drinking game and that they got to say the word that, that people were going to drink on. So like they could, they could figure it out. So it was script. So anytime we said the word script, it was drink. And so everybody in the chat was just like drink. And it was, it was so much fun. So we actually had a, I had a really good reaction from that. We had a really, really good time. It was really helpful. All of the, you know, except for PJ, because he knows everything already. (laughs) Everybody else was just like, oh my gosh, I'm learning so much. I, you know, they were like panelists going, hold on, give me a second. I'm going to write down what, you know, whoever just said. So, um, I don't remember then, this, this, this must've been before I was a member of the APA. It was in 2016. Yeah. That was before I joined that. That sounds like it was, would have been a lot of fun. Yeah, it, it was, it was a good time. So then, um, after that I started kind of getting in a bug and I'm like, I kind of want to do this again. And, but I kind of really, what I would really like to do is a podcast. So I actually pitched Michelle Cobb, who was out here for the holidays that year, not pitched, pitched. I was just said, Hey, what do you think? And, um, and then she's just like, oh yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Like we can talk about it. And then maybe a couple months after that, Tavia posted saying, or I think Tavia, somebody posted saying that she was leaving and they needed somebody new to head it up. And I, it probably took me 10 seconds to get <laughs> an email written going, I'm going to write you more later, but I really, really want to do this. And so then I, you know, wrote this whole long pitch and I didn't hear anything for a long time. And then I kind of was just like, you know what? I'm too new. I get it. I totally don't even mind that they need somebody with more experience than me. Um, And I can deal maybe when that person leaves, I can take over and do what I want to do. But um, they, then I talked to Michelle and Tavia and they were like, actually, we're kind of thought it might be you from the beginning, but we want to like make sure everybody else got a chance. Because I was just so like, you know, I was, and I really wanted to move it forward and modernize it and make it more like a podcast. And, um, cause I love podcasts mm-hmm. and, um, I've heard that about you. yeah. And I wanted to do more and I wanted to have it more structured because a lot of the webinars I'd listened to in the past were really just rambling and unstructured and just, I was just like, what, what are we doing here? And so I really, I wanted to, you know, have a lot of pre-production and, and make sure it was a show that people would want to tune into, even if they weren't necessarily super interested in the topic, that they would just want to be like, oh, let's check this one out. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, it was a major endeavor to try to do monthly shows. And everybody was just like, what? You're not getting paid for this. Um, which is exactly what PJ said to me. And he's like, you're, he's like, that is so much work that you're not getting paid for. It. And then when I started kind of planning everything and having the ideas that I had, I started thinking, because I, again, podcast fan, and my two favorite podcasts uh, right now, for sure, my number one favorite podcast is the West Wing Weekly, which I was just listening to right before I called in for this. Um, And their co-hosts have such a great rapport, and there are two of them, and 
they, you know, they're really good friends, but they can give each other shit because they're just different enough, but they just have a great sense of humor. And they, and I thought it's going to be way better if I can get somebody else to do it with me. I'm not interesting enough to be, <laughs> to be a host every week. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not compelling enough on my own. I, I can bounce off other people really well, but it's just, you know, I, I have a better rapport if I'm doing it with somebody else. And the only person I could think to do it with was PJ, but he had just said, Oh my God, that's so much work you're not getting paid for this. So I was like, well, he's not going to do it. <laughs> so, so the next time I saw him, I was like, I'm not, he goes, actually, I said, I'm not going to ask you to do this because I don't want you to have to say no, but I, you know, you're the only person I could think of to do it. And they, he, it's so funny because he was just like, oh my God, that's so like passive aggressive. I'm like, no, 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 no. I didn't want to put you in that position. I'm literally, I guess I didn't have to tell you that I thought of it, but I was just saying I thought of it. And a couple of weeks later, he goes, all right, I'll do it. <laughs> so <laughs> well it's great i think you guys make make good hosts um, yeah i there are a lot of podcasts that i listen to most of which only have one host because my biggest complaint with a lot of podcasts is that the hosts spend too much time you know kidding around with each other in ways that most of the listeners won't really get or care about and and it seems like they're just laughing at their own jokes more than I'm really interested in listening to. Okay, see, whereas, I, I found whereas, that fun. Whereas listening to you guys, uh, I I think it's fine. I think that you interact well, <laughs> and uh, and you're also talking about the you you keep it focused on the topics that yeah you know that you're talking yeah. about for the show. Yeah. So, uh, so that's great. So the webinar series turned into a webcast series. Yes. And I, I, I asked Michelle Cobb, I said, is it okay if I change the name? She's like, okay. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, great. So, um, cause I wanted, cause I mean, webcast already clearly exists in the world as a word, but I thought it's, it still has to have this visual element to it. Cause it's, you know, it's, you know, technically they're still doing it as a webinar, but I want it to do be like a podcast. So I called them webcasts. Okay. So which no one, including Michelle, seems to want to call it. I correct my friends all the time. I only correct my <laughs> friends because like 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 Michelle will, you know, text me and be like, uh, you know, do you have the next webinar thing? And I'm and I'm like, webcasts. And she's like, sorry. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm never gonna convince people to do this, but well, I will do my best to remember, but of course, <laughs> since webinar is such a, I mean, that, that word's been around for a good 10 or 15 years now. So yes, uh, yes, yes. But if you look at it more of a podcast, then you can start thinking of it that way. I, I get it. I understand. I'm just saying, I don't know that I'll remember, but, uh, uh, but I will try. I will try. Okay. <laughs> um, actually, Caitlin Gehring, after our last uh, episode, she, and I'm calling them shows and episodes, not, you know, whatever. So, so she wrote and said, it's it was like a live podcast, and I'm like exactly. <laughs> you got the point. <laughs> exactly, it was so exciting. That's so fun. yeah, so that's that's how that's gone. And I I started you know I started with uh, an idea for origin story, which is inside the actor's studio for narrators. Um, mm -hmm. And Scott Brick inspired the name because he's a huge superhero fan. Oh yeah. And um and then uh, the AMA at the end, which is just Q and A, it was inspired by. Uh, Bob Bray, who didn't ask me anything on Reddit. So I wanted to combine those two things for sure. And then the next, the other two series, I just thought it would be good again to have something that people knew was coming, you know, that mm -hmm. there was going to be an origin story. And then an, a 101, which if you look at the graphic for that, um, 101 also looks like IOI, which if you end up reading Ready Player One will make total sense. <laughs> and then, and then Masterclass. So, you know, different, different, 
types of classes and different levels and hopefully something because the the script prep thing one of the biggest reasons I was kind of terrified to suggest it aside from you know general terror was that it was a really basic topic and I when I first started I would look for information about how professional narrators prep their scripts and I really couldn't find anything and I was like I think this is something I'm already supposed to know but as I started doing more of it, I was like, if I'm wondering about this, other people have to wonder about it. Yeah. So that's that's like a, one of the biggest things that the 101 series is about was asking the stupid questions nobody wants to ask. I make an idiot out of myself all the time unintentionally. I might as well do it intentionally. I, I think that's great. Uh, I had the same experience when I was thinking about starting this podcast. I was thinking mm-hmm. I... I would really like to know more about the people involved, not just a single comment or 10 single comments on a, on a Facebook post about who's the best coach, right? Yeah. So, okay. Um, Scott Brick, uh, Pat Fraley, and you see the names and, um, uh, Carol Monda, you know, all, all the, uh, Jeffrey Kafer for the business side, you, yeah, you see yeah. the names. but I was thinking, okay, and that's fine. And I have certainly taken recommendations like that and gone with them and contacted people and got coaching for, you know, regular VO stuff. And, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But I was thinking, you know, what I would really like is to know who these people are. I don't know who these people are. Okay. I, they're getting a lot of, I'm getting a lot of recommendations for, you know, this person or that person, but who are they? And I thought if I'm having that, that idea, I wonder how many other people are wondering and would really like to know a little bit more about these people. And I think that sometimes, I know that for me anyway, sometimes you hear somebody and for some reason you connect with the way that they're speaking, with where they're from, with who their favorite sports team is, you know, what, whatever it is, there's something that allows you to connect with people on a more personal level. Mm-hmm. And, and I thought, if I'm thinking that that works for me and that that's a good idea, somebody else is thinking that too. And, and so hopefully people will get something out of this in addition to hearing the specifics about why they might, might want to hire this person as a coach or a right. or whatever it is. So, uh, so that's why I kind of go for the, uh, you know, where are you from and, and what are the experiences that led up to now? Because yeah. uh, I think that that's interesting uh, to, to see the similarities and the differences between other people doing, doing what you're doing. Well, um, two things about that. One, PJ just texted me um, randomly um, and then giving me shit about something, of course. Uh, (laughs) And and two, that's exactly how I choose everything uh, that I that I decide to, you know, have a topic on my on my show. Well, our show is um, it's stuff that I want to learn more about. And I know that if I want to learn more about it, somebody else does. Yeah. So, so yeah, pretty much everything that I've done. I mean, you know, the first three origin story <laughs> uh, guests like Bob Brave, Scott and Julia Whalen, like I am a giant, embarrassing fan of all of them. Mm-hmm. And like when I first met Scott Brick and Simon Vance, who was the next origin story guest, I could not form a complete sentence. Like at, at <laughs> like one of the first mixers I went to, I was just like, oh, and and Julia Whalen and Bob, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm just, and everybody knows that about me. Everybody knows that I'm a crazy Julia and Bob fan. Um, so it's, you know, it's all stuff that I am, I am a fan of and I want to know more about. And it's, it's great, isn't it? I mean, you get to it just is. like, I'm just going to choose what, what I talk to, what I talk about and who I talk to. 
Oh yeah, no, it's it's fantastic, and I yeah. and I and I do think that with you know the size of the community, there are people out there who have the same questions and and uh, the same interests, and so I I think that that's yeah. great. Yeah, so for, I mean, it, by the way, PJ does you know contribute an awful lot. I do I I do a lot of it, but he's I mean he's been a godsend. I mean I I don't have to do it all by myself. But go on, so, what are you going to say? So he contributes a lot more than just giving you shit. Yeah. Yeah. He usually just shows up like that was our deal. I told him he didn't have to do anything. He could just show up. But we do like we do have kind of like production phone calls, you know, like we'll just kind of go over and talk about, you know, topics and how we can best make it happen. And but then I I do all the production after that because that was our deal. He just has to show up and look pretty. (laughs) Well, that's that's great. I I appreciate the uh, the web casts that you guys do so far. <laughs> and, I, and I look forward to hearing, hearing more in the future. Good. So speaking, speaking of the community, uh, any words of wisdom for other aspiring narrators out there who, uh, who are looking to up their game and move ahead and meet people and do a good job? Go to every single thing you can. Um, don't be obnoxious, but that wasn't what I was going to say. I just popped into my head. Um, (laughs) Don't be weird, too weird. We're all weird, but don't be too weird. But, uh, oh shit, what was I just going to say? Go to every single thing. Oh, and go to, like at APAC, go to every single social event. Don't think that going to the day of APAC or just the mixer or anything else, one thing is going to be enough. Go to every single thing because the majority of shit happens when people are drunk and, you know, it's the end of the <laughs> night and they're finally, they're finally getting out the door and they're comfortable and they're relaxed and, they, you know, a million people aren't coming up and trying to glad hand them and hand them their card and do not hand your card to people unless they ask for it. Um, you know, it's it, the biggest mistake that I've heard people make is that they, they just... <laughs> When I was when I was working in the airline, we called them slam clickers. They would go to their hotel room, slam the door, lock it, and you wouldn't see them again until it was time to leave. Don't be that person. Go to every single freaking thing. You will not sleep. You will be hung over the entire freaking week. It doesn't matter. (laughs) It does not matter. Go, go, and be social and and meet people and and buy them a drink, even if you don't drink. Which, (laughs) come on. But um, <laughs> the, the whole point is to meet people. And so as yes. long as you're there, you might as well take advantage of that. You really, really need to. I'm, I, I, I'm pretty sure I, I doubt this one person who knows exactly how I feel about this will will hear this. And he we, again, we have a really funny relationship. But he and his wife went. And we were, they were like, well, we haven't been away from the kids for a while. We wanted to go and hang out in the hotel. I'm like, what? <laughs> I wanted to throttle them. So do yes. it some other time. Yes. No, I, I hear you. I, uh, I did go the, um, so I, I did the, the only thing that I didn't do last year was the naughties. And I think I'm actually going to try to get there this year. Yeah, um, for sure. Like, why wouldn't you go to the naughties? Well, one reason is because just after Johnny's workshop, the pre APAC mm-hmm. social, and then mm-hmm. APAC, mm-hmm. my voice was destroyed. Yes. And, and my wife and I were there for the whole week because we made a vacation out of it. And by Friday, she knew that I was trying not to speak at all. 
because I knew that once I got home, I was going to have to do some more work. And so she was basically helping me out by saying everything and, you know, expecting me to not talk and knowing that if I was going to talk, I was just going to speak really, really quiet, not whisper, but speak really, really quietly in her ear. And after those three events that I went to, I thought, if I take Thursday off and, you know, don't go anywhere, but then go to the naughties, I'm not going to be able to speak at all, like for a week. And so that was actually part of it. Um, I, I'm going to try this year to speak more judiciously. Kate, can I just say something, though? That's kind of like what we all sort of accept. You're not going to be able to talk for a week after APAC. I'm not kidding. For really for the whole week. So that's what everybody expects. Well, hell, if everybody expects it, then I'm not going to pretty much, <laughs> pretty much. I do. I won't. I, I don't schedule anything for the week after APAC. You, you can't. I mean, almost everybody gets sick. I know that sounds ridiculous. It's just like, you know, when I tell people, you know, people look at the high heels I wear, like, oh, I can never wear that. And I'm like, like, beauty is pain. But um, <laughs> like, I, I'm not kidding. I mean, like, everybody got sick last year, and I couldn't week for work for a week after. But I look all right I, well, I'm, as, I'm not as long as, not, as long as i wouldn't be the only one then i won't you're not the anymore. only one all right and and plus <laughs> i mean publishers are in the same position they're going to all the same events they're you know they know like if if you have something okay i had something booked the week after it was really stupid i shouldn't have booked it but i it was the only time i could fit it i had to nap between every chapter and i still was late and i told him i'm like you guys after apac i'm super sick and you know i i'm sure they weren't thrilled but they understood we all we all it's a really really long tough week but it's yeah. a freaking blast and yeah we're all you can barely even like yeah your your voice box is just like pain in pain the whole time after you, you leave but yep. it's just you know i don't i mean i'm sure what you know you various people your art Yes. And I'm sure various people have better ways to deal with it than me saying, well, fuck it. It's just going to suck. <laughs> but Some people but, might. I haven't found one yet. But yeah, like, I mean, everybody I talked to afterwards, we were all deathly ill and you can you can't speak. I mean, I'm just saying, don't don't miss. I'm going to yell at you, too. Do not miss out on something <laughs> called it, something like the naughties just because. All right. You know, I, I think you have pushed me over the edge. I will do the I will do the naughties as well as all of the other stuff. Plus, everybody there will totally understand your issue, and they'll lean in so you can speak softly in their ear. That's good. That's good. Yeah. yeah. All right. Again, we have a great community. <laughs> we do. I, I can't say that often enough. I know I say it a lot <laughs> on this podcast. People are probably getting sick of hearing me say it. But no. honestly, I just, I, um, I love being a part of it. So I'm, I'm obnoxious about it, too. So I'm right there with you. That's good. All right. Well, Suzanne, this was great. Thank you so much for stopping in. I hope your Manhattan was good. My Rob Roy. It was. was fine. I'm going to, I'm going to switch on some big bang theory and pour myself a glass of wine with dinner. All right. Sounds like a good plan. I, uh, <laughs> I might just have another Rob Roy or, uh, something else. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. But in any case, thanks a lot for coming in. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. And uh, Absolutely. I look forward to seeing you at APAC again this year. Absolutely. Thanks right. for having me on. Sure. Well, that's it for tonight. Many thanks to Suzanne Elise Freeman for stopping in. I really enjoyed hearing about her unique path to becoming an audiobook narrator, and I appreciate her thoughts about getting ahead in this industry. And I plan on following her advice about taking part in as many APAC activities as possible. Hopefully, I'll see you at some of them. You can find the audiobook speakeasy on iTunes, Stitcher, and Podbean, and all the apps that pull from iTunes. And you can find me at richvoiceproductions.com, where I've got some samples and links to audiobooks I've narrated, a place where you can sign up for my monthly newsletter, 
and where I'm also posting episodes of the audiobook speakeasy. If you're enjoying our speakeasy chats, please leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you're not enjoying them, please find a podcast you do enjoy and leave them a review. If you think this show is educational, entertaining, or valuable simply because it gives you an excuse to sit down and enjoy a cocktail in an otherwise hectic day, I'd really appreciate it if you could visit patreon.com slash audiobookspeakeasy and donate a buck or two. You donate per episode, but don't worry about breaking the bank if I decide to publish an episode a day. You can set a monthly maximum. The Speakeasy will be closed next week as we go through some more construction. This time we're adding on a small 4x6 room that will be used solely for storing gin. Or maybe it will be used for recording audiobooks. We're not sure yet, but either way we'll be busy cutting lumber and putting it all together somehow. Hopefully we'll be open again in a couple of weeks. Until we see you here in the Speakeasy again, I hope you can find some time to enjoy an audiobook. Cheers! Cheers!